Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Um, so it's really good to be here. Um, and as Paul said, we're, we're looking at the book of Ruth, which is an amazing story. It's one of my favorites in the Bible. And first of all, we're going to um, hear it as a summarized story. It's four chapters. And I, I really encourage you to go home and read it again this week. Uh, just so good to be immersed in it. Um, but if we had been in person, I was planning that we were going to act this out. It was all going to be really fun. But, of course, we can't do that. So this morning at 11 at 9, I actually read the story and Darren acted it out with these little um, these little Lego pieces. So I'm wondering, would you like this? Would you like a Lego acting out? I know, I know you're a different age bracket, but. Uh, <laughs> Good. So, we all great. love our Lego. So Darren really enjoyed it as well. So you, you're kind of doing him a favour, um, a big <laughs> bit of entertainment. So, um so you, can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. Off we go. In the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in Judah. Everyone was hungry. So a man from Bethlehem, Elimelech, with his wife, Naomi, and two sons, and two sons, went to live. In Moab. Not long after that, Elimelech died. And Naomi was left with her two sons who looked after her. They both married Moabite women. But after another 10 years, both Naomi's sons died and she was left. Whoops. Naomi didn't die. She didn't die. Just her sons died. And she was left alone. Then she heard that the Lord was now providing food back in Judah, so she decided to go home. They set out. But partway there, Naomi told her daughters-in-law to go back. She couldn't provide any more sons for them. She said, may the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to me. She kissed them goodbye. And the other one. They wept and wanted to go with her, but she said no. One of them turned back. But the other, Ruth, said no. She said, where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So they kept going. The journey was long and hard. It was treacherous. It was good that Ruth could help Naomi. When they arrived, the people there said, well, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. It was hard. They were very poor and they needed food. But it was harvest time and there was work to do in the fields. So Ruth went to the fields and she just happened to work in the field belonging to a man named Boaz. He happened to be a relative of Naomi. Wow. When he saw Ruth, he said, who's that? 
The people said, well, she's the Moabite who came back with Naomi. She's been working hard. Now, Boaz was a kind man. He believed in God, so he made sure that Ruth was safe, that she had food and water. He was so kind to her. Ruth bowed down and said, why have I found such favour in your eyes when I'm a foreigner? Boaz said, I know you've looked after Naomi. You left your homeland and came to live with the people you didn't know. May the Lord repay you for your kindness. Ruth was amazed. She said, you've put me at ease by speaking kindly. Boaz made sure that Ruth had enough food and she took it home to Naomi. When Naomi heard that Ruth had been, she was amazed. She said, oh, the Lord bless him. He's not stopped showing his kindness. He's one of our guardian redeemers. Later, something wonderful happened. Boaz married Ruth. He redeemed Naomi's family. Ruth became his wife. And the Lord enabled Ruth to have a baby. And she gave birth to a son. All the women were amazed. Praise be to the Lord, they said. May this child become famous throughout Israel. Then Naomi took the baby in her arms. They snuggled up together and they named the child Obed. Later, Obed became the father of Jesse and Jesse became the father of King David. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's the story of Ruth told with Lego figures. Just uh, what did you think? <laughs> Just bear with me one minute. Darren and I are swapping places and swapping computers. So you don't have to look at me. One second. And I'm just um, screen sharing as well. So just checking that you can see the PowerPoint. And off we go. Sorry, can you still hear me? Yep, great. Just if I if I go if I drop out, just someone tell me. <laughs> uh, it's an amazing book, isn't it? And I think it's such a timely book, as Paul said earlier, for for all of us in our situation at the moment. Particularly because in the beginning, Naomi was struggling. She was grieving. She was alone and empty. I actually find it amazing. Have you noticed that we planned this sermon series? We planned the whole Bible in a year back in January, and Rod worked out all the dates of when everything would fall, not knowing was coming, what was coming. And here we are in July in lockdown, these five weeks, and in these weeks we have Psalms, Job, Ruth, and Lamentations. <laughs> Isn't that just perfect? Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for this time together. We come, perhaps some of us feeling empty, but we long for your truth and your word to fill our souls again. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, comfort us, compel us, fill us again with your spirit and remind us of your amazing loving kindness. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we heard from, uh, I think you heard it as well here at Alive at Five, you heard from um, Matt Tulman on Job. Yes. And Matt um, used this picture of a tree. Do you remember this picture that he used? He used this with you? Yep. Um, and he was saying that sometimes life feels like this, that in fact that we want to be the tree from Psalm 1 that is all green and fruitful, but
but actually sometimes we look like this and many of us perhaps look feel like this at, at the moment. And for Job, he was suffering greatly. He was in despair and grief. But initially, Matt said, we were noticing that Job responded to his suffering with reverence to God and integrity and faith. Job didn't blame God initially. So interestingly then, it's a bit of a contrast when we turn to the book of Ruth uh, and we meet Naomi, who was also in a dark place. She was also grieving. Her husband had died and both her sons died. She was a foreigner in a foreign place, alone and empty. And in her grief, she was actually initially uh, vocal and bitter. She blamed God. You can have a look at it again later, chapter 1, verse 21. She said, I went away full, but the Lord has met, brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? Which means uh, pleasant or sweet in Hebrew. She said, call me Mara, which means bitter. The Almighty has done this. He has made my life bitter. She poured out her blame. And it's a human tendency, isn't it? Even now we can see blame on almost every corner. We can see it in the media, in politics, habitually. And if we're honest, sometimes in our own hearts. And blame can be easy. Sometimes it's needed. But it can also be misdirected. And that's how the book of Ruth begins, in emptiness, grief and blame. But it doesn't end there. As we said earlier, it is a beautiful story. It ends in fullness and a profound reminder that no matter how dark or how bleak a situation may appear outwardly, there is hope. God's loving kindness is always evident and is always absolutely powerful. And the first thing I find amazing as well about uh, the book of, of Ruth is the time when it's set. And we've said this before as well. It takes place in the time of the judges back in about 1200 BC when the situation in Israel was bleak. So if we were in the ministry centre now, so this is alive at nine, at nine, but if we were in the ministry centre at live at five, we would all be looking up and looking at the pin boards and I'd be walking over to that bit underneath the uh, screen there and noticing this picture that Stephen drew of Othniel, which is one of the judges. Do you remember Do you remember doing judges back in whatever month it was? <laughs> and we've been reminded again, look at this picture of the awfulness of that time, the failure of the Israelites to honour the Lord. They worshipped other gods. They were rebellious. And even the judges that were raised up were often unworthy. And then the last line in that book of Judges says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone. It helps us to imagine the extent of the rebellion at that stage. But then it's amazing that you're in Judges, you turn one page, one page in the Bible, and immediately we're in the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. So the author is highlighting isn't it? That it's the same time period and it is going to be such a contrast. We're going to see the outworking of kindness and loyalty. We're moving from violence and depravity to the restorative heart of God for humanity. But also I, I find when I read it, it feels like in turning the page, one page from Judges to Ruth, it feels like we move from this just grand, vast story of God for the nations to one small family. It's a bit like we're doing um, an enormous Where's Wally puzzle. Hands up if you've ever done one of these or you're doing one at the moment or you'd like to or you just wouldn't. 
Imagine we're just doing one great big Rose Wally puzzle and suddenly we narrow down to one small figure in the picture, one person, and the person matters. Their story matters. You and I matter. In this case, in the scriptures, we've narrowed down to one person, one woman, alone and empty. There was a famine. Naomi and her husband had to leave Bethlehem, went to Moab, which is a long way and treacherous. Apparently it was about a 10-day on, walk on foot, the other side of the River Jordan and the Dead Sea. And again, if we were in the ministry centre, we'd be looking at this map and notice that they've gone from Bethlehem all the way at the top over to the plains of Moab. And then when they got there, Naomi's husband died and then her two sons died. She was alone and empty. But then in the middle of this hardship, something lovely and completely unexpected happens. And we have to say this is how God works all the time. We don't always see it. But in this case, we did. Naomi's Moabite daughter-in-law, Ruth, offered to go with her back home. And she said, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. It's so just unexpected, isn't it? Ruth was the outsider. She didn't have to go with Naomi. In fact, she shouldn't have. There was nothing in it for her, but she did it out of kindness and love. And this is God's heart. This is the way he works then and now. He brings people home to himself. Even then in that dark place and time, Ruth's heart was open to God and God worked kindness. He provided. This is a, a picture, a stunning picture of the narrative by Jennifer Gardner. Uh, she's amazingly somehow done this while in lockdown with her mum, praying for you, Jennifer. We're actually going to hear from Jennifer um, at the end. Uh, he'll tell us a little bit more about creating this and we'll also see it on the pin boards when we get back into the ministry centre. Um, but just thinking through the story that God, you know, as we said before, he raised up good people, including Boaz. He orchestrated all the little things to make it happen, reminding us that that's the way God works, but also the little things matter. So finding food matters back then, whether it might be gleaning in the field or now when we're finding food in IGA very infrequently alone and with a mask on. The day-to-day -day things matter to God. It matters to God that we're alone. He knows um, how it's feeling right now. All these things matter, food, relationships, family, connections, nourishment. It all matters to God. And in the book of Ruth, God provided and he did it through beautiful humans. Ruth was beautiful in going with Naomi and in gathering food. Her kindness was noticed by Boaz. He was kind in allowing her to glean in his field. He gave her work and then he married her, redeeming her whole family. And back then, of course, culturally, there was um, people known as guardian redeemers. It was their role to take on family responsibilities in the event of death or hardship. And Boaz did that in Chapter 4 after negotiating with another family member. And I think the point for us is that in hard times or bleak times, we can notice God's kindness. These times now, they matter to God. We can notice his provision in the little things. We can notice that he brings about kind, his kindness through generous, faithful people responding to him. And we'll apply that more um, in a minute. But I just want to say two more things in the narrative. And the first is that what always strikes me particularly is that Ruth is a foreigner. 
So even in the bleak times of judges, God was still bringing about his saving plan for the whole world, the nations. Ruth was a Moabite woman. She's not an Israelite. So we're meant to read it immediately and go, oh, wow, she's a foreigner. This is part of God's plan. It's unexpected, but it's also, of course, what we should expect because we've read the promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, back when he said to Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you, etc. and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is a promise from God to Abraham. And so ever since Genesis 12, we've been noticing God's heart for the nations. In, in the Old Testament, it feels like it happens slowly, doesn't it, a bit, one by one. Um, but there was Rahab in the book of Joshua and now Ruth. And then in 2 Kings, we've read about Naaman, the foreign soldier who had leprosy but believed in Yahweh. So it can feel slow and small, but, but it's God's heart. And soon we'll be reading Acts in October, uh, I think is the plan. And we will read about thousands and thousands of people responding to the Lord Jesus. And we'll see that incredible continuity with what's happening now around the world. And we'll say, whoa, every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person hearing about the Lord Jesus. That's what God is doing in the world. That's why we pray as we just have done. Um, thank you for praying for all those people we know working cross-culturally and in mission because in particularly in hard times, even now, we want to trust that God is bringing about his plan of redemption and restoration for the world. And, of course, the third thing that we notice, that the first thing is the kindness of God. Secondly, God's heart for the nation. Thirdly, is the way that it ends. And I, I personally, I usually I cry every time I read it because <laughs> Naomi's heart softened. She was one person in pain. She was small, she was vocally bitter, alone and empty. But then she was the recipient of God's kindness through Ruth and Boaz and her broken heart softened and she moved towards thankfulness. The child was born to Ruth and Boaz. Praise was given to God. He was named Obed. Naomi took him in his, her arms and we can just imagine them snuggled together all warm and cosy. And then Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of David. They're part of the big, long story in the line to the Lord Jesus himself, that story that includes us. And within that big, vast story, this one woman who was empty is now full, loved, and thankful. And I think her little story reminds us that there's no heart too hard for God. He can and does bring softness. He's not only a God who parts the waters in Exodus or causes the city walls to tremble in Joshua. He's the God who reaches the nations one person at a time and who tenderly softens hearts, even when they've been bitterly broken. God can and does bring hope and healing. And we know how. The only other time that Ruth is mentioned in the whole Bible is in Matthew 1 where it says this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's verse 1. Go down to verse 5. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. The reason we have hope in hard times, including right now, is because of what happened next. The last line in the book of Ruth envisages the whole future. Obed, the child of Ruth the grieving outsider, became part of the line to the Lord Jesus. 
through whom every single person in the world would be invited as an insider. And this is just the unimaginable loving kindness of God. We can't hear it enough, can we? He gave up his son, the Lord Jesus, who lived and loved and died and bore our sin and all our worries and pain. He rose again to make us right with God, to fill up our emptiness. We're not worthy or able, and perhaps this week we even feel even less worthy. Yes, it's been a hard week. We're not worthy or able, but Jesus became the outsider. He bore our suffering even unto death that we might be invited inside. We've been shown such great loving kindness by God, and in response we want to be people of kindness like Ruth and Boaz, even when it's costly. And that's the calling, isn't it? In hard times we can notice God's calling and we can be people of kindness. I particularly um, I really love, I always love um, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, but I've been reading it again this week, mainly because I've actually found it really helpful imagining Paul in lockdown, which is where he was when he wrote it. So he was in Rome a bit like a little bit like us, except not, of course, because he was we well, we we think he was handcuffed to a Roman guard and he couldn't go out even um to exercise or to RGA. But from lockdown, when he could have been feeling just small or discouraged or frustrated, he somehow was able to fix his eyes on the grand story of God. So chapter one in um Ephesians, just beautiful, isn't it? Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. It's a wonderfully long sentence. It's one of those sentences that hard, you know, has all this punctuation, but it goes on and on and on. And uh, you can feel Paul just getting excited, a bit like I do. And, and I, it's just, you know, it's speaking too fast. But it's all about the lavish grace of God. And so then by the time Paul got to chapter four, he was applying that wonderful gospel truth. And he said this, um, therefore, he said, be kind and compassionate to one another, be forgi- forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate to one another. That's the calling, isn't it, for each of us as receivers of God's loving kindness. We've been lavished with grace and kindness. We've been forgiven. We have hope. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit. We live on this side of the cross. We have the encouragement of each other. So even in hard times when we're weary and frustrated and stuck at home, we trust that God is still at work and he'll help us to spill over with his loving kindness into the lives of others. And there are so many ways that we do that and that we can still do this. I've been especially, haven't seen as many of you in Alive at Five, but Alive at Nine, I've just been so encouraged by the community. Um, And this month and this year actually makes me quite teary thinking of some of them and just the things that they've done uh, and are doing, showing kindness um, to each other and messages and meals and phone calls and deeply significant acts of grace um some of the I can't I can't tell you but I'm just overwhelmed and I know it's the same um at Alive at Five and I think afterwards if you'd like to during even during the song that's what you can do with the cloud is maybe just fill it up with words of people in whom you've seen God's loving kindness um and just really give thanks that God is at work in their lives I think um 
I think we need to deliberately, <laughs> deliberately look at what God is doing, deliberately notice the acts of kindness around us and just writing them out can be really, really helpful. So maybe take some time um, to do that as we also pray that God would continue to help us to be people of kindness. And, of course, the thing is that we don't always see the fruit of kindness, not in great big ways, and we can feel discouraged, we can feel too small, we can feel as if the ground is hard. And here's a picture that I like of um, winter. And we're in winter. Have you noticed that this this Sunday is the absolute middle of winter? We're in the middle of July um, and the ground is hard. It feels especially hard this year in lockdown. But I think we really just have to trust that God's grace and kindness is still evident and still powerful even in winter, maybe even more so, um, because in winter there's so much that's happening under the ground that you can't see but is truly happening. Uh, it, even though it seems bare and dry, most, in most of our gardens the roses are pruned back, the trees are bereft of leaves, there's not many flowers, some of them look dead. I don't know if some of you know that Darren and I have a little place at Oberon. It actually looks, maybe this is why I like this picture, but it looks like this at the moment because it's very, <laughs> it's very, very cold um, in winter. But we have to even trust that there are hidden things. And, and uh, back in May, just people know Norma and Andrew from Alive at Nine. They've got a beautiful garden. So Norma gave me some tulip bulbs and um, we planted them back then. And, and, and the thing, it's, it's really powerful for me thinking about it, that even though it looks like this, they are there under the ground growing and doing their thing. There's no evidence yet. No one could tell that there's tulip bulbs there. But we trust that at the right time, tiny shoots will pop up and absolutely surprise us. And so I think that's the application. Here, here it is. This is what you're going to take home and remember. In the dead of winter, plant tulips. Now, now I know that for the gardeners, you don't. You actually plant them in autumn. However, the point is um, in the darkest of times, in lockdown, in midwinter, Look for God's grace and kindness and be people who spill over with his kindness. Let's continue to wait on him and trust him, knowing that he will work out his plan for the world through Christ in unexpected ways. And spring is coming. Not only will we get out of this Zoom lockdown time again, we'll meet in person again and we'll greet each other at the welcoming desk and we'll perhaps hug each other because we'll be so excited but as well as that, we will also, over time, we trust, see the fruit of God's kindness in each other's lives and we will see growth in faith and love and perseverance because of this time, because of hard times, because that's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And I think sometimes we have to pray, Lord, do your good work in us in these hard times. Teach us the things that we can't learn when the sun is shining and life is smooth. Lord, teach us the things now that we can't learn when the sun is shining and life is smooth. Lord, please do your good hard work in us now. And as we do that, as we keep trusting and helping each other, encouraging each other and praying and sharing God's love and kindness, we will also remember, like Paul, that there is more to come. There will be a day when we will see the fullness of spring forever. God will restore the heavens and the earth and there will be no more questions or emptiness or grief 
ever again. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for your loving kindness that you show to us in the Lord Jesus. Lord, please help us to be people of kindness in our families, at the shops, with our neighbours, on the phone, and to the ends of the earth, trusting you until you come again. And we pray it in the name of Jesus. We don't pray it lightly, but we pray it with awe and wonder and thanks. Amen. Amen.